This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly sermon podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's sermon. Well, good morning to you. My name is Ron, and uh, I'm the pastor of New Life, one of its many pastors now. And uh, so enjoy the opportunity to speak with you. So if I didn't get a chance to meet you on the way in, I'll hang out in the lobby when we're done, and I would love to get a chance to meet you before you leave. On the inside of your program, you'll find a half sheet of notes. It's fill-in-the-blank style. And uh, so I want to encourage you to take that out right now and take a pencil and fill it out and then uh, do what most of us do in this church. Uh, We take those notes home and we read through them at least once during the coming week because it helps us to embrace and apply in our lives the principles that I'm going to talk to you about over the next few minutes. You see, there's a whole theme that God has for us this morning. And uh, it started in in the songs that we sang and just kind of building up to that last song, Our God Reigns. And then Bob came out and talked to you, uh, getting our hearts ready for communion, and he talked to you about the concept of peace. And the ability to experience God's peace is just a wonderful privilege that God gives to every human being, but you have to know how to experience it. Every time I think about peace, I'm I'm reminded of the gentleman of considerable worth who uh, decided that in his office he wanted to hang a picture that just embodied the concept of peace. So he got a hold of three well-known artists and he said, you know, I'd like for all three of you to paint a picture that you think just best uh, puts peace in a picture. And he said, I'll be happy to handsomely reward the one of you whose painting I choose. So all three of them decided they would do it. So they busied themselves uh, just coming up with the concept of what they were going to paint. And so as the first guy brought in his painting, it, it, it was... Well, it was beautiful. It was magnificent. It was a lake in a secluded area. The the surface of the lake was like glass, for not even a ripple was on that lake. It it was a, a very surreal setting, and one side of the lake, there was one swan all by itself. Peaceful, serene, secure, undisturbed, not even the water was disturbed. It was beautiful. Certainly, certainly spoke peace. Second artist brought in his painting and it was a beautiful mountain scene. It was sunset and the and the colors in the sky were absolutely magnificent. They were radiant and it was not just mountains, but there was this valley and the valley was everything that you would want from a mountain valley. There was a meadow, and the grass was in the meadow, and it was just, there was a brook that ran through it. And it was the sort of place that you'd kind of like to go and live and never leave. Magnificent and beautiful and so peaceful. The third painting was not anything like the first two. But it was the one that ended up on the wall. The first thing you noticed about the painting was it was a raging waterfall. Thunderous. 
And the water was coming, falling, and it was hitting rocks. And the rocks, we were just exploding that water. And the mist was going everywhere. And, and it was just, you could see that the water itself was creating a downdraft that was just blowing the mist everywhere. And the trees around there were weather-beaten. And it was anything but what you would think of when you thought of peace. Except, in the branches of that scraggly tree at the bottom of that waterfall, there was a bird's nest. And in that nest was a mother bird with her little babies. And she was singing. Oftentimes, when we talk about peace, our idea of peace is, God, I would love your peace if it meant I just didn't have any problems. Right? If God would just reign in my life and take all the problems away, and I, oh, that would just be wonderful. Yes, it would be. That would be heaven. Okay? But between now and then, would you like a little peace? Okay? I would. Well, I can tell you that peace on this earth is going to be more like the bird in the nest than it is the swan in the lake. Because you and I live in 24-7 life, don't we? And it doesn't slow down for anybody. And there's, there's tumult that happens in our lives all the time. Every week when I read through the prayer requests, it's somebody or somebody's very close relative who's been in an accident or encountered some major sickness or going through an operation or having a divorce or losing a job or struggling with a child in school. And it's people after people after people after people. And guess what? We are those people. And those things happen to all of us. Thank God they don't all happen at once, right? But they do happen to all of us. That is the waterfall of life. And the wonderful message that God gives us through His Word is that you and I can be like the bird in the nest in the midst of the raging waterfall of life. We can actually experience God's peace. Now, for many, many years, for centuries, philosophers have all agreed about one thing. And that is, life and struggle go together. There is no such thing as life without struggle on any level in this world. Everybody who studies life understands that. Everybody who studies life agrees with that. All the philosophers agree with that. But what they don't agree on is where that struggle comes from or how to handle it. And that's why you have all these various philosophies. And really, in the end, that's why you have various different religions because they are all seeking one thing. What's the source of struggle in this life? How can I handle struggle in this life? And what can I do in this life that will reduce or eliminate struggle in the life that is to come? Now, God speaks truth about struggle. 
And he says, hey, I'll cut right to the bottom line. I'll tell you where that struggle comes from, and I'll tell you how to deal with it. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. We're in the middle of a series of sermons called Nine Days in the Life of Jesus. And we're going to look at a story this morning that's going to speak to that issue. Let me begin by giving you a truth. You and I, every human being, is the host for two very different natures. One is our bad nature, it's our ugly nature, and the other is our good nature, and it's what makes us beautiful. And the Bible speaks about those two natures in numbers of different terms, but still speaking about those basic two natures that we have. And I'm going to give you just three couplets of words from three different perspectives talking about those natures as we get started. And the first couplet is this, earthly versus eternal. You and I have an earthly nature in us and we have an eternal nature in us. The earthly nature in us is so attuned to the things of this life. It's very concerned about the here and the now. This is the nature in us that says, eat dessert first. You might not live through the main course, right? It's that thing that says, you know, live for today because tomorrow might not come. It's very short-sighted. On the other hand, you and I have an eternal nature in us that's undeniable. Every culture that's ever existed in the history of mankind has believed in some form of afterlife because God very clearly says, I've put eternity in the heart of mankind. It's something we intuitively know, and there are times when we tune into that very well, and that's our eternal nature. Now, God says in this giant struggle of life, here's His instruction to us in Colossians, set your minds where? On things above. That's the eternal things, and not on earthly things. That's kind of the first clue about experiencing the peace of God. The more tied we are to earthly things, the less real peace we'll have in this life. And the more tied we are emotionally and mentally and even physically and financially and all the rest of it, the more tied we are to eternity, the more we will experience God's peace and be the bird in the nest. The second couplet that God gives would be this, and that is the natural versus the new. The natural refers to that earthly nature we have, and the deal is when you and I are born, we're we're born with these two natures, but one of them is dominant already, and that is that earthly nature. It's dominant already. I'll tell you how I know. It's that natural nature in us that makes us selfish. And demanding. Now, we all love babies, right? They're cute and cuddly and they have soft little skin. And But I'm telling you, if you had an adult friend that acted like a baby, you would kick them out of your life immediately. If you had to follow them around and wipe their chin and change their diapers and and every time they wanted something, they just cried until you figured out what it was that they wanted and they wouldn't quit crying until you came and got it for them and you had to scratch them. and you uh, Would you keep a friend like that in your life? Not for a minute. You know, when we're born, this, this earthly nature is very dominant. That's why I call it the natural 
part of us. But when we decide that that's not really what's best for me, and when we decide I want to tune into my eternal nature, then God says we get to go through this thing called a new birth. And when that happens, it's like God gives a whole new birth or an infusion of power and new life into that eternal nature in us, and it now rises up and has the ability to become the dominant nature in our life. And it enables us to have a whole new way of living. And so the Bible says, whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living, it's disappeared. It's not completely gone. It still comes back once in a while, huh? Yeah, some of you probably can think back to a time this week when it was kind of the old nature that was speaking. Yeah, okay. However, now you don't want to go amen real loud at that point, right? right. <laughs> and you certainly don't want to confess that for your husband or your wife, all right? So, but a new way of living has come into existence. So there's the natural versus the new. And then the third one is the flesh versus the faith. There's a way that you and I can live that's just living out of our flesh. And by the way, when this happens, terrible things take place. It's amazing what the human flesh can motivate the human being to do. I mean, left to our own devices. You take a child and leave it to its own devices. Give it no training. Give it no instruction. And just let it do whatever it wants to do. Does it get better and better? Yeah, are you kidding? Yeah. And in fact, when that happens in human beings, we are capable of unspeakable atrocities. All you have to do is read history. The things that human beings have done to other human beings are just incomprehensible. That's the flesh. But God has given us the ability to believe in something outside of ourselves and to imagine and to be controlled by a nature that's not our natural nature, our flesh, and by faith to get in partnership with Him. And when that happens, those same human beings that are capable of tremendous atrocity are capable of making sacrifices that are selfless to the point of being outstanding and even inspirational. And again, I would say, witness history. All you have to do is read it. Hmm. That's why the Bible says we live by faith and not by sight. Sight is attuned to the flesh. Faith is attuned to the Spirit of God. This morning, in a nutshell, the invitation that God gives to all of us is that we can live by faith. And the promise that He gives us is as we live by faith, we will experience God's peace. And you won't get it any other way. Now, the story in Jesus' life is, is, is around four guys who became four of his 12 apostles. Peter, his brother Andrew, 
and their good buddies, James and John, and they were all in business together as fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. For the sake of this sermon, we're, call it, we're going to call it A1 Fishing Incorporated. All right? That's who they were. They worked together every day. And in this story, Jesus is going to teach us five wonderful lessons about faith. So let's take a look at the story and what those five lessons are. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee with people crowding around him and listening to the Word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Wonderful morning, wonderful time. People are listening to the Word of God. Jesus is teaching. But here's where we find the first lesson of faith, and that is this. Living by faith is not always convenient. In fact, I want you to jump into Peter's skin with me a little bit this morning and take a look at this story from Peter's standpoint. Now we learn, well, Jesus says, hey, Peter, Peter's over here washing his fishing nets. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, I'm standing in your boat. Would you mind coming out, coming over here, getting in this boat and rowing it out from shore a little ways and putting the anchor down because I want to talk to these people. Now, can I tell you that was massively inconvenient for Peter? For three reasons. Number one, Peter was busy. Don't you hate it when you're doing something and somebody says, would you mind putting that down and going and doing this for me? Yeah, most of us don't look at that and go, oh, thank you. I was just so bored doing this anyway. He was busy. Why was Peter busy? He was washing his nets. You know why he was washing his nets? Because Peter used a hand-cast net. It was just a small net that... Uh, that a couple of guys could throw over the edge of the boat and then they would row like crazy trying to catch fish in that, in that, in that net as it went along the bottom of, of the lake. And, and then they would pull like crazy to, to the drawstring on the net so that none of the fish could get out. And then they would lug the net up and over the boat and they would empty the fish in the boat and, and, and put them in their containers. And then they'd row to a little different place and they'd throw the net back over. And, but the deal is, when you've done that, and you've done that for a long time, you know what you get in your net? Your net gets all muddy, and it's got mud and muck from the bottom of the lake, and it's got debris and all that stuff. And so what you have to do when you're done fishing is you go to a place where there's clean water, and you wash your net, and then you lay it out on the rocks so it can dry, so it doesn't get brittle and break the next time that you want to use it. But if you don't wash your nets, then they don't last very long at all. So Peter's done fishing for the night, as we'll see later on, and he's washing his nets. Now, in the middle of washing his nets, Jesus comes and says, Hey, would you come and do... Now, by the way, when Jesus is going to teach, you think this was a five-minute devotional? What do you think? Have you ever met a pastor that could do a five-minute devotional? <laughs> this was not a five-minute interruption. At a minimum... It was going to be 45 minutes to an hour's worth of interruption and maybe longer than that. It was massively inconvenient. Secondly, Peter was tired. As we'll see a little bit in the story, Peter had been fishing all night. Okay, So in his culture, 
that usually when you went to work, you worked 10 to 12 hours. So for 10 or 12 hours, Peter has been rowing the boat and then ready, one, two, three, heave, and they throw that net out as far as they can throw it out and then ready, row, and they'd row and they'd row, okay, ready, draw, and they'd pull on that rope and, 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 and they'd draw it till, till it got tight and then it was tug and they'd lift that net up over the boat and get it in the boat and, 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 uh, so, yeah. He was tired. He was doing that for 10 or 12 hours and straighten out the net and then throw it, row and then throw it out there again. Been doing that all night. By the way, little hint, if you're going to ask somebody for a favor, do it at the beginning of their work shift, not at the end. Yeah. He was tired. Third reason, Peter was cranky. Now, I know the Bible doesn't specifically say Peter was cranky, but if you've ever studied the Bible and, you, and you've ever studied Peter's life, did he have just a touch of a mouth on him? Okay. How would you like to encounter Peter after he's fished all night and caught nothing? You know, it's one thing if you're a recreational fisherman and you're out there with your buddies and you're, you know, eating hot dogs and cookies and a beverage or two and you're throwing your lure in the water and you get home and you didn't catch anything. Oh, I had a good time with the buddies anyway. It was a great time. But you know, if you're a commercial fisherman, that's your paycheck and you get nothing, it puts a whole different flavor on it. He's been out there all night and he's caught nothing. And he's washing his nets. He just wants to go home and forget that night. He's trying to get out of there. You know, living by faith. Hmm. Here's a principle for you to write down. When you make decisions based solely on convenience, they will rarely take you in life where you need to be. Isn't that true? If you make decisions based solely on convenience, living by faith is going to require you to do things that are not convenient. That, that by the way, is why they're not natural. Okay? If they were convenient, everybody would be doing it, right? Sure. Okay? Let's go to the second part of the story. When he had finished speaking, Jesus said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, what is the terminology Peter uses for Jesus? Master. Okay? I want you to know this is not the first time that Jesus and Peter have met. Peter obviously has heard Jesus speak. Peter obviously has been in the audience. He's probably seen Jesus do some miracles, though this is early on in Jesus' ministry. Uh, Peter still obviously has been around him enough to know to call him master. Um, however, here's where we learn the second lesson of faith, and that is this. Living by faith does not always make sense in the moment. In other words, there's an aspect to walking by faith that sometimes looks illogical at the time. It certainly did here. Okay? I said earlier, Peter was using a hand-cast net. Now, a hand-cast net is designed in such a way that it works only in shallow water because in the Sea of Galilee, the fish are near the bottom. So what you do is you get in shallow water, you throw the net over the edge, and you let the, 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 the net rake the bottom of the lake and, and the, in the next five to seven feet, and you row like crazy and you catch all the fish that are hanging out down there. So what does Jesus say? He says to Peter, you go out where the water's deep 
and you throw your little surface net out there and, and, and go along the top of the water and catch some fish. Well, anybody who knows anything about fishing in the Sea of Galilee goes, that's not going to work. There's no fish up there, and this net is designed for only shallow water fishing. And yet, Jesus said, Peter, I want you to go out and eat. Secondly, it's much easier to catch fish in the nighttime than it is the daytime. Even if you went to the Sea of Galilee today, they all fish at night because that's when the fish kind of are dormant. That's when they get in their little schools. That's where they just kind of hang out. You can drag your net through the water at night. They can't see the net at night. They, they, they're not spooked. And the next thing you know, they're caught in the net. Jesus says, Peter, I want you to go out in broad daylight where fish can see the net, where they can easily swim away. They can easily do whatever they want to do. I want you to go at the worst time of the day, and I want you to cast your net out. Not looking too logical. On top of that, I'll give you a third one. If you're a fisherman and you're looking for hints about how to increase your productivity, you certainly don't go to a carpenter. <laughs> you know, I, I think I know Peter just well enough to know that he's biting his tongue like crazy when Jesus says this. Because the first thing that pops into Peter's head is, what do you know about fishing? Don't you build chairs? Have you ever caught a fish in your life? How about the closest you've been to fishing as a local market? I'm sure he thought of all those and a few more. And knowing Peter, he's probably fortunate he didn't say them. You know, I think there was a reason behind this. Because Jesus was giving Peter a lesson in faith. So he took all of the usual and accepted paradigms of wisdom in the one field of life that Peter knew best, fishing, and in one event, Jesus broke every single paradigm because he wanted Peter to understand this. And this is what I want you to hear. When you're walking by faith and the Lord gives you a command... You do not analyze the command by what he says. In other words, does it make sense? Is it convenient? Is it something I want to do? Is it something everybody else is doing? You don't analyze the what. Listen to me carefully. You simply analyze who said it. Now, Peter got that. Everything in Peter's fisherman's head said, this is gigantically stupid. This doesn't make any sense. But what was it he called Jesus? Master. And he said, purely and simply because you say it, I'll do it. Wow, that's a powerful lesson. I've prayed for you this morning. I've prayed for me this morning. And that is, God has a reason for you being here and for me being here. And at some point in this service, or maybe more than one point in this service, God's going to speak to your heart individually and say, that is what I wanted you to get today. And this is what I want you to do about it. And in many of our cases, 
our initial response is going to be, what? That? I've prayed that you and I will hear God's voice when we get to that point in the service and that we will fully embrace it as Peter did. Even though it didn't make sense to him, he did. Did it turn out okay for Peter? Well, let's take a look. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. You know, Peter went from being skunked to having the biggest fishing day he would ever know in his life. And he did it by following the command of a carpenter who also happened to be the Son of God. Yeah. Here's where we get the third lesson of faith. Living by faith produces superhuman results. Now here's the amazing thing about about us humans. We can be so logical and illogical all at the same time. Let me give you an example. God comes to us and He says to us, this is what I want you to do. And we look at it and we go, I can't do that. God goes, why can't you do that? Because it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Look around. Nobody else is doing it. It's not natural for us to do that. It's not natural for me to do that. And God goes, Okay, then don't do it. And then we pray. Oh God, do something supernatural through me. And God you, God said, you just told me you want to do what's natural. So there we are. We want to do what's natural but get supernatural results. Is that not illogical? It doesn't make any sense. That's why this journey of faith always has these moments when God asks us to do something that in the moment doesn't seem logical, but if we will get in partnership with God, He brings supernatural results. In this congregation, I want to take you back just two years ago. When God called us on a great journey that was called Ready, and it was a spiritual journey in which we were all challenged. Don't go home and get your checkbook out and sharpen your pencil and see where you can cut a little bit out of your budget or even a lot out of your budget because God has this journey He wants to take us on. No, the process that God gave us was to go home and just pray to God and pray one simple prayer. God, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will in this church? And God has done amazing things through us. Just because we dared to get in partnership with Him. And so some two years later, almost just barely under a million dollars of cash has come in through this church to get us ready for where we're going to be in just two or three weeks by God's grace. It's been an amazing journey, and we're just beginning the journey. But you know the deal is? Many of us, God asked us to do something and to make a commitment at the time that if anybody but God Himself had asked us to make that commitment, what, what would our answer have been? No, I can't afford it. 
And you know something? We would have been speaking the truth. But God had supernatural resources that He wanted to open up and flow into our lives. And we were obedient to that. And we allowed God to flow those through our lives. And what a wonderful partnership it's been and is still being. Now, living by faith produces supernatural results. Let's go to the next section in lesson number four. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Now, I have to confess to you that all the time I was growing up as a kid, I'm thinking, Peter, you are stupid, dude. <laughs> Why wouldn't you invite that guy on your fishing team? I mean, he leads you to the greatest catch you've ever had in your life, and the first thing you say to him is you kick him off your fishing team. What are you thinking? Well, that's because I, I wasn't quite up with what goes on. Let me read you the rest of this and I'll give you the lesson. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish, catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Here's lesson number four. Living by faith brings true humility. You know, when you get in partnership with God and He doesn't just bless you. I've noticed this in many Christians' lives. When they get in partnership with God and God begins to pour blessing into their life, it's not unusual for them to think that somehow because God has blessed me, I'm more worthy of His blessings than some other people who maybe haven't been blessed so much. Well, I always know when that takes place, they have never experienced a full-on miracle of God. They just got a little drivel of His blessings. You ever heard that old statement, I have just enough knowledge to make me dangerous? Okay? There are many Christians who have just enough of God's blessing to make them dangerous. Because when God decides to do something absolutely supernatural through you, you will be overwhelmed immediately with a sense of your own unworthiness. And at the same time, you will be overwhelmed with the sense of God's great goodness. Now that was the moment Peter had. When he looked at that catch of fish, he recognized this is not just a carpenter who had a lucky day at the lake. This is not even a carpenter who's been fishing on the side. Okay? This is none other than Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who has done something in my life I am so unworthy of. Not because of my worthiness, but because of God's goodness. Can I tell you, that's a very, very humbling but secure place to be. Here's why. When you get your security by the fact that you're accomplishing more than people around you, as long as nobody accomplishes more than you, you feel good. But do you realize how tenuous that position is? 
Because now you're in competition with everybody around you, and as soon as somebody else comes along and does something greater than you, now all of a sudden you feel insecure and devalued. But you know, when God does something through you that you don't deserve, and you know you don't deserve it, there's that thing on the inside that says, then my security in life is not around my own accomplishment or even my own goodness. It's about God's goodness. And all I need is to make myself available for God's goodness. Do you realize, way back in the beginning, if Jesus said to Peter, Hey Peter, would you come over here and row your boat out into the deep and let me use it for a minute? If Peter had looked at Jesus and said, You know, Lord, I'm kind of busy right now. I'm washing my nets. It's been a long day. It's been a long night. I haven't caught one stinking fish. I just want to go home. There wouldn't be a rest of the story, would there? You see, the only thing you and I can give to God is availability. That's what He calls for us. The rest of it's His goodness. Now let's see how the story ends. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So, they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed Him. I don't know two things. I don't know if anybody ever washed those nets. It doesn't even say they sold the fish. I have no clue. I'm guessing that they did. But if you had gone to A1 Fishing Incorporated the next day, you would have seen a sign that says, Business Closed. Because Peter, James, Peter, Andrew, James, and John all had a new way of life. And that's lesson number five. Living by faith opens the doors to new life. That's why this is an invitation to new life. Not just an invitation to this church. It's an invitation to a new way of living. It's the invitation to walk by faith. It's the invitation to get in partnership with God. It's the invitation to make ourselves completely available to God. It's the invitation to go on a journey, not just have an experience. It's an invitation to a lifestyle of following Jesus. Because... I can assure you there's no greater adventure than walking with Christ. Just this morning, we prayed over Kevin and Maria, and they're headed, he's headed off to the Dominican Republic. Just last night, a whole group of people came back from Mexico, and already I'm just hearing chatter of all the things that God did through them down in Mexico. All this past week, I've just been hearing the chatter of people who are working on the Clegg Street property and just the amazing things that God is doing and continues to do day after day after day. It's just when we get in partnership with God, it opens the door to the next horizon and when we get, when Christ takes us up to that horizon, then there's another one, and there's another one, and there's another one for as long as we live. And can I tell you that that's what keeps vibrant Christians young at heart? Christ always has them working on the next horizon. And he said to Peter, Dude, you're a good fisherman.
Now, I'm about ready to take you on a journey that's going to help you become what I really created you to be. And if you could interview Peter today and say, Hey, Peter, you had a choice back there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee to continue to be the president of A1 Fishing Incorporated or to follow Jesus. And you decided to follow Jesus. Was that a good choice? What do you think he'd say? Yeah. No comparison. Would you pray with me? Father, would you take away our concept that peace is the swan in the lake? And would you replace it with peace being the bird in the nest. And Lord, for those of us who made a decision years ago that we would become a follower of Christ, but honestly, if we look at our lives today, we are more concerned about the earthly than the eternal. We're living more out of our natural man than the new nature you've given. And and our lives are, are certainly more out of our flesh than they are out of faith. Lord, would you call us back to the simplicity of getting up each day and just opening our hearts to you and living that day in the context of eternity. And Lord, for those in our audience who have never accepted you, who have never made that choice, Father, would you help them see it with clarity this morning And would you help to just grant them the grace to step on board and to begin that wonderful life of faith. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information and past sermons, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.